Uh, I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that over the past year, we've all seen quite a number of incidents where politicians and world leaders say one thing and do something completely different. Now, I'm sure if I were to ask uh, um, among ourselves, uh, we could come up with a few incidents where people have said one thing and done another. I, I did think about putting them in the chat, then I thought, no, that wouldn't be a good idea because that will be recorded and people could read it in the future. So we won't do that. Um, but we all know that double standards are frustrating, especially when we see them in others. Uh, uh, but double standards are also uh, deeply damaging. Uh, this section of Galatians that Ari read to us is about consistent Christian living, uh, living in a way that is consistent with what we say we believe. So far in the book of Galatians, uh, Paul has been concerned to establish the authenticity of his message. If you've listened to the previous uh, couple of sermons, you realize that's what's been going on because there were some people in Galatia who were undermining what he taught. And in chapters one and two, he lets his readers know that the good news he preached was revealed to him by Jesus uh, and not anybody else and was the very same message that the apostles in Jerusalem preached. And then in the section that Adi read to us, he recounts an incident with Peter and it says certain men, certain men from James, that means Jerusalem, which highlights the problem that Paul is addressing right through the book of Galatians. Uh, and he sketches the incident in verses 12 and 13. For before certain men from, for, for before certain men came from James, he, that is Peter, he, or Cephas, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. And if you remember from the book of Acts, Barnabas was a, a co-worker of Paul's and therefore the pressure to conform to these teachers from Jerusalem must have been incredibly strong. And we need to be aware when we read these verses that Paul is speaking directly to Jewish believers who wanted Gentile believers to conform and do the things that the Old Testament law required. Now, um, now as far as I know, that is not something that we face in Dublin West uh, today. And it's really important, I think, to remember that Paul is responding in this section to a specific issue, and he's providing, if you like, course correction for people who are at least heading in the wrong direction and may actually have gone completely off course. And that's why we need to listen carefully to what is being said and why Paul is saying what he is saying. Uh, because we are not in the same place as the Galatians. And if you like, the, the strong course correction that Paul is giving to the Galatians could cause us to veer off on the other side of the road, um, if we're not cautious and listen carefully. Um, having said that, there's some really important and really encouraging things for us uh, in these verses. And we actually get to hear a summary of what must have been quite a conversation. 
Um, wouldn't you have loved to be a fly on the wall to hear the conversation, uh, if it was a conversation, between Paul and Peter, and it says the other folk from uh, Jerusalem when he said what he said. Uh, verse 14 says, I said to Cephas in front of all of them. Now, um, uh, probably it's a summary of the conversation because it seems, uh, Paul, you wouldn't have said all of that so tightly packed in such short compass. But there's a lot in the verses that, from verses uh, 15 to 21, and there's lots of issues debated among the scholars. But, but let's just try and get the gist of what was going on there and then ask how this shapes us and our faith in Dublin West in 2021. On the surface, the issue was Peter and his Jewish friends not eating with the Gentiles. For Paul, however, it was more than eating. What was at stake was that Peter and the posse from Jerusalem, it says in verse 14, were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. And, and this is at the heart of what Paul says in this section, and actually in the rest of the letter. It is critical, he says, to be people who live and act in line with the truth of the good news of Jesus. And he's going to unfold over chapters three to six just what that means. But listen to what Paul says here in these verses, and let me try and paraphrase what he says. And, and in the paraphrase, we probably hear echoes um, of what some of the Jewish group were saying and arguing. Verses 15 to 16 goes something like this. We who are Jewish by birth and not like those Gentiles that we all know are sinners, we are followers of Jesus because we know we could never have a right standing with God by keeping the Old Testament law. That's what the word justify means in this context, have a right standing with God. We, what we needed was faith in Jesus because we discovered that even though we had the law, we were actually the same as those Gentile sinners. And you know, as well as I do, that we were not converted. We didn't find Jesus by keeping the law, what he refers to as works of the law, but we, 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 we were put right with God by faith in Jesus. That's where our conversion came from, not by keeping the law. Oh, he said, and when we acknowledge that we are sinners like the Gentiles and in need of Jesus, that doesn't make Jesus responsible for us being sinners. No way, no chance. In fact, if we try to add keeping the Old Testament law to faith in Jesus as essential for believers, it will only result in us becoming lawbreakers. That's what verse 15 and 16 is saying. And so you see, the issue is that Peter and the group from Jerusalem were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Because the only way to act in line with the truth of the gospel is faith in Jesus plus nothing. And that's where the issue lay. And that's what Paul is concerned about in this section. And then verses um, uh, 19 to uh, uh, 21 uh, uh, outlines for us what living in line with the truth of the gospel means. 
for Jews and for Gentiles. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Again, let me try and paraphrase uh, what Paul is saying there and how he's arguing. Um, the, the law was taking us nowhere, he says, and was never going to put us in a right standing with God. And if you don't believe that, he said, just, just wait and I'll tell you in chapters three and four about some of those things in the history of the Jewish people. In fact, if we could have attained right standing with God by keeping the Old Testament law, there was actually no point in Jesus dying. Anyone who suggests I'm setting aside the grace of God by arguing this way has not understood what it means to have faith in Jesus. It's interesting that in our contemporary world, that some people think that if they just do what they think is best, that will put them in right standing with God. And like, like in Paul's day, as in ours, that ignores why Jesus died. But here's what was central for Paul. And here's what is central for acting in line with what is the truth of the gospel. Jesus' death is the basis of our standing with God and our relationship with God. And that means we are done with having to keep the Old Testament law. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are put in right standing with God by faith in Jesus plus nothing. But here is where we have to be really careful to listen to Paul accurately. And keep in mind when we read this section that Paul is correcting a serious error. The heart of a right standing with God is faith in Jesus. Paul says we are so identified with him, it's as though we have died with him and that puts the Old Testament law behind us. Christ living on us by his spirit is now what is critical and that impacts how we live and how we act and how we think and obviously in Galatians who we eat with but we must never read these verses and think it doesn't matter how followers of Jesus live because that would unravel the whole of Paul's argument in this section because he's clearly saying to Peter it matters very much how you live and actually how you live and what you do and how you act can actually undermine what you say you believe about the good news of the gospel. And so, as we read on in Galatians, and we'll see in chapters 5 and chapter 6, that faith in Jesus commits us not only to believe certain things in our head, but to be transformed by the new life that Jesus gives us through his spirit. If you, if you want um, verse 20 explained to us 
In chapter 5, uh, Paul put terms it as keeping in step with the Spirit, because that's the way to experience the new life that Jesus brings. So new life comes through faith in Jesus, but it is, it is given its, its vitality by the Spirit, and it's our job, our responsibility, our response to keep in step with the Spirit. That's what Paul means in verse 20 when he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Um, I've come to faith in Jesus, but I have a new beginning and a new start that's, that's energized and driven and shaped by the transforming power of the Spirit. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who, lived, who loved me and gave himself for me and provided me with the gift of the Spirit. It's a tremendous vision, isn't it, of Christian living and Christian life, of, of, of what we believe actually impacting how we live. So what is God saying to us in this passage? It's, in, in a sense, we, can, we, could, we could spend a lot of time trying to tease out all of the theology, the background, um, but I think, I think the key thing is that the good news of the gospel is something that has to be lived and lived out and practiced. And that we as God's people who are followers of Jesus need to be people who, to put it in the words of verse 14, who act in line with the truth of the gospel. The, the good news of Jesus has to affect who we are, has to affect what we do, needs to affect how we think about each other, but the other people you can view on the screen right now but how we react to other people, how we interact with them, those people who we see on the screen right now, how we value those people that we see on the screen right now, how we engage with, the, with each other here on a Sunday morning and then through the rest of the week, Monday to Saturday, how we treat people outside of our church communities, our friends, our neighbors, our work college, our college college, our school colleagues, it affects how we spend our money, it affects how we use our spare time, it affects how we think about church, and on and on and on. There's no part of life that this gospel does not touch. We need to be people who allow the good news of the gospel to affect everything about us. And for that, Paul will say, as we read further in Galatians, we need the spirit to be at work in us, and for the forgiveness and for the renewing that is at the heart of our faith to be active again and again and again. If you want to, if you want to see that the, the kind of practical dimension of what Paul is arguing here, if you turn to chapter 5 and verses 22 to 25, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And at least as a beginning point, there's, there are, there are um, certainly 22 other screens for which you can practice love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. 
but that can overspill to the other folk who are not on the screen and to the other folk who are part of our living and our lives. We need to be people who live what we say we believe, which is the good news of Jesus. And this is not about, about being perfect. It's simply about uh, living what we know to be the truth of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. As a way of, of responding to the passage, um, uh, let me ask and uh, uh, put on the screen a couple of questions. Um, uh, which we will use to take with us into um, the Lord's Supper. Uh, and it's, it's just simply reflecting on, on what the passage says. Are there areas um, of our lives and of our life together as Dublin West where we are not acting in line with the truth of the gospel? Those words in verse 14. Uh, if so, uh, there is forgiveness and the indwelling power of the Spirit to change us and enable us to act consistently? And what areas of our own lives and of our life together as Dublin West, uh, where we want to see the Spirit more at work so that more and more we are acting in line with the truth of the gospel? And in those areas, we can be absolutely confident that the Spirit will enable us. Let's just pause and reflect on those questions as we come to think about and reflect on together the Lord's Supper. Just take a moment or two of thought and prayer and response to reflect on the questions. Maybe ask God to show us where we need to respond. We have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. The life we now live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and give himself for us. We want to share together in the Lord's Supper. And the bread and the wine or juice that we have with us are a visual, tangible, tasteable reminder of everything this passage says to us. Uh, I'm just gonna ask you to look at what you have in front of you. It's probably a, 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 a cup or a glass, and it's uh, some kind of bread or, or, or some kind of, of, of thing that symbolizes um, the body of Jesus. And, and, it's, and, it's the bread and it's the bread and the wine and juice plus nothing else. There's no other things to add to it. And when we eat and drink in a minute or two, we are declaring, we're saying to each other and to God, it's Jesus' death, his broken body, and his shed blood that puts us in right standing with God, plus nothing else. It's his death, plus nothing, that puts us 
in right standing with God. That's what the bread and the wine and the juice symbolize. And as we eat and drink in just a moment or two, we're also saying that we want the full impact of Jesus' death and resurrection to be at work in our lives. Uh, we want to open our lives to the Spirit to transform us to be more like Jesus. And, it, and, and our eating and our drinking is an act of trust and surrender. It's, it's a simple faith, absolutely. And that's what we say when we eat and when we drink.